Well, good morning, everyone. I just consider it a real privilege to be able to stand before you this morning. I really would like to hear Pastor Steve uh, deliver a message one of these times. We, uh, we count it a privilege to be God's servants together. You know, a lot has been happening in my soul over the last few months. And as far back as I can remember, I just have this real warm spot, this gratitude in my heart that my church takes very seriously the Great Gospel Commission. I loved going to camp meeting as a little kid. And I loved to hear the stories from Josephine Cunnington Edwards when she would tell us these mission stories. Or, about, or Eric B. Hare. Remember those times? Incredible storytellers. And my heart just welled up with pride that why well, I have a church that sends these missionaries to share the good news of the gospel. Here in this church, we are privileged to have probably one of the great missionary pioneers. I don't know if Bill and June Jamerson are here. Uncle Bill, if you could just sit and talk to them for hours, the, sh- the stories he would tell about working down there in South America. Fernando and Anna Stahl, is that a name you know? They're buried just up the road here. I just wish one of these faith-based movie companies would take the Fernando and Anastal story and make a production out of it. If you don't know about them, you need to just Google it and, and go to the, the Stahl uh, Mission Center down at La Sierra and pull up the stuff about the Stahls. What they did with the Incas and the indigenous people there. Their footprint is still felt through that whole country today. Missions. Today we're going to emphasize missions in a way that I hope you will remember. And I guess to focus it down to a a, a nugget, I'm just very glad. I've adopted a motto in my life when I was pastoring and as a youth pastor. And the motto is very simple, but it's very profound. And it applies to many churches. Would you like, can I share it with you? It goes like this. The main thing is that the main thing is the main thing. What is the main thing? Why are we here? One word, two letters long. Jesus himself said what? Go. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. That's the main thing. But boy, I tell you what, the devil does everything he can in his power to get us distracted from the main thing. And I don't have time this morning to talk about how that happens, but you know good and well. All these things that the devil distracts us about has nothing to do with people's salvation, but a lot to do with culture and tradition and so forth. I'll leave it there. You know what I'm talking about? What is the main thing? I am so grateful that this church and this school has made a statement that missions are important. I've had the privilege of, of being helping organize several mission trips with this church, with the academy. Brother Nystrom, Monty, what a, what a pioneer, what a warrior he is. That this church, this community believes in missions. And in my 45 years of ministry as a teacher and a youth pastor and a youth director, I can tell you the, the most life-changing experience that young people, retirees, everybody in between, One of the most life-changing experiences you can have is going on a short-term mission trip. 
It's unbelievable what happens. I could share story with you, stories with you from now on until the cows come home about lives that have been changed. You see, <clears throat> especially young people today, the culture in which we live in, every time they turn on the radio or the television or they look at the internet, there's a message that shouts to them that goes something like this. If you want to be happy, go get it bigger, better, and faster than the other guy. And so that's what we do. We spend most of our lives accumulating the bigger, better, and faster stuff. And if you boil it right down, it's a hamster wheel because you never stop. We sold our home here in paradise about six months ago. We are now legally residents of Arizona. It was time for us to simplify our lives and to downsize. And as retirees at this stage in our journey, the reality is less is more. Are you with me? But boy, oh boy, after 48 years of marriage, you accumulate a lot of stuff. I know Salvation Army and, and the community center here and the other thrift stores were really grateful for the pickup truckloads of stuff that we, that we handed off to them. But some of this stuff they wouldn't take. <laughs> so we made numerous trips down to the Neal Road landfill. And I don't know why they call it a landfill. I mean, it's a dump. Uh, you know, it's a, I guess landfill, everyone's more land and it's more maybe earth-friendly, but have you been there recently? It's a dump. Here's pickup trucks and trailers, and there's a mountain of old bicycles. They're just heaping them on there. They got a big, huge stack of old appliances, washers and dryers and stoves. And, and then over here in this building over here, they've got computers and printers and all this electronic stuff. You're not even getting to the dump yet. And then here's a guy. Picks his, backs his pickup truck, and he's got a guy helping him. And he's lifting this really huge boat anchor of a television set. You know, one of these big old things? Still worked perfectly, but because it wasn't an HD flat screen, it doesn't belong in my house. So, to the dump it goes. Here's a guy bringing an old velvet painting of Elvis. At one time... All of this stuff was bigger, better, and faster than the other guy. The hamster wheel. It's just stuff. Here in America, we have too much stuff. If you got too much stuff, what do you do? You rent a used storage facility and you store your stuff. You have visitation rights. You can bring it home anytime you want. Then you have to take something back but it's just stuff. It's junk. Pretty soon that stuff is going to end up in Neil Road dump, the landfill. A while back I was reading a magazine and there was a tagline that went like this. Yesterday, I didn't know it existed. Today, I can't live without it. That is a culture. That is a microcosm of the culture in which we live in here in America. But now you take young people, you take kids from this culture, you take them into a remote area on a short-term mission project. You take them into these real poor villages or these communities where people have nothing. I mean, 
they stand there for the first few hours with their jaws open because they can't believe the poverty that, that, that's around them. But yet these people with nothing are happier than we are with all of our stuff. Figure that one out. That can be one of the most life-altering experiences for people young and old. And I will say of all the things that Judy and I did in our ministry over the years, there's nothing that had a greater spiritual impact on kids than taking them on these short-term mission trips. Now, this wasn't intended to be a commercial, but it will be. When this church, when the academy plans a mission trip, and you know there's some young person there needs to go on this trip, but maybe they don't have the resources, maybe they don't have the, the money to do it, let me tell you what, one of your greatest investments is going to be to help sponsor some of those kids. Believe me, the dividends are just incredible. Well, I'm going to shift gears now for a little bit. Have any of you ever found yourself doing this? Scratching your head? Head scratchers. There are a few passages of Scripture that have been a cause for pause for me. Scratchers. Scriptures I know well, but when you, when you look at them Closely, it gets you scratching your head. We all know, probably since cradle roll, Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a witness to all nations and what? Then the end comes. I mean, we can say it in our sleep. But when you really look closely at that, at that passage, when it says, all, all the world, I mean, Lord, there's some, there's some areas in the world that I wouldn't last a minute. I mean, they're out to kill Christians. I mean, all the world? Yes, all the world. When I was a youth director at Quiet Our Missions, we, had to, we got invitations to countries where we had to turn them down because we did not want to put a group of kids in harm's way. But God, you told us to go. Lord, I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. I don't know the tradition. I don't know the people. And you want me to go? And so in those quiet moments, scratching my head, I've said, okay, God. God, would, wouldn't it be possible for you to raise up an army from within these people groups to share the gospel? We don't have to have Americans do it. How about the, 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 the indigenous people in these cultures? As many of you know, we repeat this verse so many times. This gospel. Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. You see, there's a human component to that passage. Who does the preaching? I mean, God could send His angelic hosts and they could do the job. But the Lord knows that that is one of the most greatest privileges. That's one of the most faith-building experiences that hum humans can, can experience. All the world. Even the Apostle Paul. I've been reading a book about Paul recently. Right after I cast my crowns at the feet of Jesus, I want to go find Paul. I want to spend time with that champion. Wow. 
But even Paul, you know what he said? He said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh, now I think that's, that's not good news. That's great news. Everyone. But how can they call on Him unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Do you see the dilemma He's in? That is exactly where we are today in this world. The same dilemma exists. There are masses of people out there that have never even heard the name of Jesus. What are we going to do? When Judy and I retired a few years back, the Lord still kept some fuel in my tank. Still love preaching. Still love sharing. Doing it on my own time whenever I want. Now I can say no. And a good friend of ours was visiting us and he said, Jody, I need to talk to you about a ministry that is really, really making a difference in this world. Now i got a question for you. How many of you here have ever heard of the organization called Gospel Outreach? Can I see your hands? Well, after today, all of you will be able to raise your hands. Right now, <clears throat> I want to just show a little short video clip that will kind of introduce you to what this organization is all about. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Join us now for a journey that may change forever your understanding of foreign mission work and the fulfillment of the Great Commission. We're going to travel to an area of the world largely ignored by Christians, located between 10 degrees north and 40 degrees north latitude. It's known as the 1040 window. It stretches from North Africa toward the rising sun, across the Middle East, India, China, and southward to catch Thailand and the Philippine Islands. All told, nearly 70 countries lie within this window. The area accounts for roughly one-third of the world's land mass, yet 4.5 billion people live here. That's nearly two-thirds of the world's population. Poverty, hunger, illness, illiteracy, oppression, idol worship, fear and hopelessness are ways of life for many. Dominant religions include Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism. Worldwide, an estimated 2.84 billion people have yet to hear the gospel. If you were to guess what percentage of the unreached live in the 1040 window, what would you say? 40%? 60%? Actually, the stunning answer is 97%. Virtually all of the world's unreached people live in the 1040 window. These are people who haven't, even once, had a chance to hear the gospel. Despite the great need for the gospel in the 1040 window, less than 2% of Christian mission giving goes here. There is enough evangelism taking place today to reach the world dozens of times. Unfortunately, most of it is happening among people who have already heard the gospel. In all candor and to our continuing shame, let us admit that the world's perishing unreached people are very seldom mentioned or thought about in almost all churches. 
Gospel Outreach was founded 20 years ago to help introduce people to Jesus in the 1040 window. The all-volunteer staff works closely with the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The goal? Raise funds to support native evangelists and Bible workers. These workers are hired and trained by local Adventist conferences. Through the Gospel Outreach Adopt-A-Worker program, a worker can be sponsored for $150 monthly. Compared to foreign missionaries coming into a country, native workers have many advantages. For example, they already know the culture, religion, and language of the people. Gospel Outreach is the heartbeat of the Southern Asia Division. More than one million people have been baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist Church as a result of Gospel Outreach-sponsored workers. Not only are they effective, they're efficient. On average, every $6 invested in their work results in a decision for Jesus that leads to baptism. By contrast, it costs thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars per baptism in the United States. In the 1040 window, millions and millions of honest-hearted people are searching. They need hope. They need the Savior. Yet, they've never had the chance to hear the story of Jesus. Today, it's up to us to make a difference. We must help hasten the Lord's return. We believe. Let's act. Thank you. We had one amen here. Maybe some of you are sitting there stunned because a million baptisms by this organization? Now, I am self-admitted, I'm a very simple person. Simple-minded, maybe. I admire people who are the heavy, deep thinkers. But, simply put, if 97% of the unreached people in this world live in the 1040 window, then we who've been called to share the gospel of the whole world, we have some work to do. I love evangelism. My dad was an evangelist. I remember him telling us they spent $75,000 in an evangelistic series and they had 10 baptisms and a year later there was only one person remaining. We've plowed that field many, many, many times here in North America. But yet we have 97% of the unreached people that have never even heard the name of Jesus. And in my simple thinking, I'm going, okay, Lord, if that's the case, then you're not going to come until those people have had a chance to hear the gospel. Am I stretching anything? I don't think so. Judy and I, we just returned this last weekend. We were up in Walla Walla for their gospel outreach rally. And I wish I had, the clock is just moving way too quickly this morning. I wish I had time to tell you about some of the incredible things that are happening. The miracles that these Bible workers are experiencing. Blind who've been anointed, having their sight restored. Those who have, have lost their hearing, being anointed and prayed over, having their hearing restored. Even reports of little children that have been raised from the dead. Now this is not 2,000 years ago. And now the village chief who sees the little child has been resurrected, now everybody in that village has become a Seventh-day Adventist. They've all become Bible believers. It's just unbelievable what's happening. 
And even in the countries where there's been so much oppression, I'm so grateful that we were getting reports that work is opening up in incredible ways in North Korea. We had a, a report from our good friends, Bob and Audrey Falkenberg. He happens to be the son of the former General Conference president. They head up the work in China. Their headquarters is in Hong Kong. Friends, as you leave the sanctuary today, I'm going to ask you to stop by the table back there and pick up a little red button that looks like this. Now, wherever, you're, wherever you spend your prayer time, whether it's in your office or in your kitchen, I want to maybe put this on your refrigerator. Our 1040 Bible workers desperately need your prayers. Pray for the 1040 Bible workers. They are under incredible conditions. Some of these Bible workers, every time they step out of their home, they're taking their life in their hands. China. We hear a lot about you know, the economy of China, how great it is. And, but the president of China has made it illegal for any church to allow children 18 years and under to worship. So now they put signs out to close the churches to the children. So now they have to get... Now, I'm going to say something right now. Be very careful who you share this with. The internet does some really crazy things. And it would put some of our workers over there at risk if, they, if you shared stuff inappropriately. But so now the, the, the church has to figure out ways to get the children involved in ministry. Even the home churches. And that's how the church has grown in China. In China, the church has grown immensely. Most of it is from home churches. See, China says, yes, we have religious freedom. And so they point to a huge church they build, and, and the, uh, the Baptists meet there on Friday night, and the Adventists meet there on Sabbath morning, and the Methodists meet there on the Sabbath afternoon, and, and the Pentecostals meet there Sunday morning, and they all use the same church. And they say, we have religious freedom. But grab this one, Brother Steve. The pastors, they have to submit to the government word for word, what they're going to say for every sermon. Now, that, that'd be a killer for me. Because I'm not the, I don't follow a script. Amen, Joanne. Thank you. That's my daughter that just said. I, I, I don't follow a script very well. So the, so the home churches have become the center of evangelism in China. Let me tell you, for example, one little home church. Most of the churches in China are being pastored by women. The men are, are at work. They would be person. The women, as far as this whole discussion about women's ordination and what their response is, we really don't care what the world church says. We're just doing what God has called us to do. Amen. End of statement. So here's this one lady. She has a little home church. 15, 20 people meet every Sabbath. They sing. They have prayer. They study the Bible together. She called in some carpenters to remodel her kitchen. And in her kitchen, she wanted a very strange addition. She wanted in the middle of the floor, on a raised foundation, she wanted a soaking tub. She wanted it about three feet deep, and about three feet wide, and about six feet long. Made out of concrete. She wanted to have a, make sure there's a trap door there. Now, see, you're already ahead of me. I can tell. Friends, in that little soaking tub, in the last three years, 600 people have been baptized. 600. And that's just one little home church. 
We don't know how the gospel is going to be spread to these countries where there's so much persecution. But I do know this. God has a way. As we sit here this morning, again, be very careful who you share this with. But there's a a country, I won't name it, where as we sit here this morning, 150,000 Seventh-day Adventist Muslims are worshiping. No amens from that one, huh? I'm going I'm to just give you a little insight here. A few years ago, we met a Filipino pastor in Toronto, Canada, who worked in Mindanao, the southern region of the Philippines, in a very high Muslim area. He knows how to minister to the Muslims. And he was invited to go to a special conference in New York City where there was over 100 imams. Now, the imams, that's their spiritual leaders. Because he became friends with some of the imams there in Toronto. And so they invited him to be a special speaker there. So he shared the Adventist message. To a person, every one of those imams. Because within the Muslim religion, there's a tradition that says something like this. Before Isa returns, before Jesus returns, we will be receiving a special, a special message from the people of the book. From the people of the book. That means the people of the Bible. And to a person, every one of those imams admitted that the Seventh-day Adventist church is God's instrument to give them this message from the people of the book. It staggers my mind to think how creative our God is. 1993 is when Gospel Outreach started. Their goal for the next three years, or next five years, is to baptize three million people. Three million is what they want to add to the church. And the reality is this the harvest is plentiful out there, but the laborers are few. And Gospel Outreach is trying to train and, and, and organize as many of these Bible workers as they can. But many of these Bible workers, they need some financial support. $150 a month barely provides the provisions that they need. Do you remember the old television series, Star Trek? The tagline was, The Final Frontier, Space. In my simple little mind, I firmly believe, to borrow a phrase, that the last frontier for we as Christians is to get the gospel in the 1040 window. And here's some of the ways in which it's happening over there. This is a refugee camp. About six or 8,000 people in these little shanties. We have Bible workers there. They have a church of over 600 people. They use a 55-gallon barrel to baptize them in. Amazing. This young man, and I was going to bring it with me and show it to the kids. But this young man is about six or seven years old, and he's holding up what is called the Talking Bible, or the Mega Voice, developed by Adventist World Radio. What this little device looks like, it looks like a little cell phone, but it has pre-recorded on it in the language and the dialect of their choice. There's over a thousand languages and dialects that's available in now. It's solar powered it's waterproof you can drive a car over it i mean it's almost indestructible and on it has the old and the new testament it has the stories of jesus it has steps to christ many of the spirit of prophecy it has a lot of children's stories and so here's this young man standing 
in his, in his, at his school or in, in the street, and he has, and it's loud. I mean, you can, you, you could hear it in the back row from here. And all of a sudden becomes a little evangelist because by the dozens, here come these other children gathering around him, listening to the stories of Jesus. Just one of the many creative ways. Here is the volunteer staff. I don't know if you caught that in the video. All volunteers. This organization has only 2% overhead. 98% of all giving goes directly to the Bible workers. The only paid staff person they have is the one who runs their internet and the website. All of these workers, as you can see, they all share the same color of hair because they're all retirees. Most of them. Most of them are retired workers, conference presidents, teachers, uh, health educators. Our board chairman is Larry Dodds. He used to be the president of Edwards Adventist Health System West here in Roseville. Really, really fine, brilliant people. That's the volunteer staff. Not one of them are paid. So the question that I have for you this morning is this. It doesn't take much to sponsor one of these Bible workers. We have churches where three or four families have gotten together. If you have five families, all they need to save is a dollar a day. For those kids that pick up aluminum cans, that's what? 20 cans a day. There are Sabbath school groups, children's groups that are raising money to help sponsor a Bible worker. If one family wants to do it, it's $5 a day. Sabbath school classes, Bible classes. It doesn't take much. Most, the $3 million budget that, that Gospel Outreach had last year, most of those funds are coming from the people who sent $10, $20, $50, $100 a month. Yes, we have some large donors, but it's not like that story I told the kids. Those two pennies and the penny pulled together can make something great happen. Now, let me see if I have... Yes. Oh, I may have clicked the button. We were planning to receive a love offering this morning, but due to some uh, church policies, we're not going to do that. But you've been given this morning a, a brochure, and I want you to take that out. It says, Adopt a Worker on it. It looks like this. Whoops. It, um, it explains in, in a lot of detail what this Adopt-A-Worker program is all about. I would like for you to fill out your name and address on the tear-off tab in the back here. I want you to especially check the box that says, Send me the newsletter, Adventures and Missions. They send this out every month. It's one of the first things I read in the mail. The, the reports and the stories of these Bible workers is just amazing. I want you to fill that out. Maybe at the, at the back table as, as you exit and you come by to pick up that little red button or other materials there, there's, there's a gospel outreach envelope that you might want to take home with you and prayerfully consider what you can do. Or maybe you'd like to share information today as to what you'd like to adopt for a worker and, and look at those other adopt a worker options you have there. For those of you that come back to the table in the back there and... Uh, I know we have enough for one per family today, but we have a special... We were going to show another little video clip just now, but we have a special gospel outreach DVD. There's about nine or ten little three, four-minute segments on there where you basically are living the experience of what the Bible workers are doing. We want to give one of these per family. And for those of you that turn in this form, 
Gospel Archie, we've put together a special musical CD, the best of Melashenko's. We just give this to you free as a way of saying thank you for giving us the opportunity to send you uh, this material. So you're going to have a minute to do that. Mostly, though, as I shared earlier, Gospel Archie needs your prayers. The head Bible worker in China has been arrested. He's been in jail. He's been in prison now for almost a year. His, his associate has had to go undercover, into hiding. These people need our prayers. These warriors are there risking their lives. And I know this is not intended to be a guilt trip, but boy, do we have it good here in America or what? I mean, we invent stuff to complain about. We have, we have it so good. So as we, as we close our time together this morning, I just pray that you would seriously consider how you can be a part of a gospel outreach adopt a worker program. And um, I'm going to call the family up here right now. We're going to share. By the way, this is, we're skipping one song, uh, my friend up there. Um, this is one of the songs that touches my heart um, because it says so much about what gospel outreach is all about. As we, as we share this song, have an opportunity to fill out those forms, and we'll be closing in just a minute. I was a slave in a foreign land, so very far from the Father's loving hand He rescued me one glorious day He brought me out paid a debt I could not pay I am redeemed I am redeemed Jesus loosed the chains of sin and set me free I am redeemed I am redeemed Jesus loosed the chains of sin and set me free Still I a foreign land, but now I'm free according to redemption's plan. But soon I'll join the robed in white, the redeemed. We'll sing a song holy angels cannot sing. I am redeemed, I am redeemed. Jesus loosed the chains of sin and set me free. I am redeemed, I am redeemed. Jesus loosed 
set me free. You see, my friends, some glorious morning they shall come from all nations, from every generation, from the 1040 window, all over this planet, and side by side they will march into the celestial city of Jehovah and in perfect harmony begin humming a new song, a song composed by God, arranged for His children. And as the saved approach the land of their dreams, the hosts of heaven will step aside. Even the angels will be silent, for they cannot sing this new song. It's a song reserved for the voices of those who once cried out for their Redeemer, those who've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Yes, these are the redeemed. I am redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. He's mine in all to chains of sin and set me free Jesus lose the chains of sin and set me just want to say thank you for um, being generous with your time this morning. For those of you who have those little forms filled out, meet us at the back table in the back there. We have some goodies for you. There's some other brochures there, these buttons if you want to take one of those for your friends or family, or maybe your kids at school. A lot of, a lot of stuff there. In case some of you are interested in picking up some of the Meloshenko music that we have about nine or ten different CDs, you can see us back. We have a special Sabbath faith system you can, you can talk to Judy about, and we'll be happy to do that. Pastor Steve? Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, when you looked at saving this world from all outside appearance, it was a daunting task. But for you, it was simple. You invested all you had to save us. And Jesus, we thank you for bringing to our church the highlight of the need in the 1040 window. And the numbers and the statistics look a bit daunting to us, but we know that, that you've called us just to do what you have done, and that is to invest what we have in your cause and your kingdom. And so we just ask that you would move on our hearts and move on the hearts of those around us to reach out to those in need. Jesus, you saw every face, and you died to save. And we thank you for doing that for us, and we ask that we would be partners with you in doing that for those in all of the world. So Jesus, thank you for that two-letter word, go. Help us to follow your instructions. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.